Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 29th, 2016, and we are reading in the big book. Um, we are on page XXVI, the second paragraph after the letter. Um, let's see. Today's readers are Esther F. on the 12 Steps, Rebecca B. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Nancy R., Irini M., and Lynn S. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, December 28th, is 9395. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human, another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to the compulsive overeater and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther S. And Rebecca B., would you please read the 12 traditions of OA? 
Yes, good morning. Thanks. This is Rebecca B. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain uh, personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service and have a great day. Thank you, Rebecca B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXVI, the second paragraph after the letter. Uh, And I will now ask Nancy R. to get us started. Thank you. Uh, good morning. I'm Nancy R. Grateful Recover Compulsive Overeater. <clears throat> the doctor's theory that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us. As laymen, our opinion as to its soundness may, of course, mean little. But as ex-problem drinkers, we can see that his explanation makes good sense. It explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. Though Though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic 
who is very jittery or befogged. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he has then a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to pass on sharing today. Thank okay, you. Th- thank you, Nancy. <clears throat> okay, who would like to share on what Nancy just read? Nessa oh, R. Okay, her Nessa, Nessa R. Melissa, Melissa C. Harlan G. Harlan G. Vanessa R. Vasa O. Vasa Larry. Vasa O. Larry K. Monica Did you get Melissa C? Monica T. <clears throat> Who was that? Who said? Did you get? Angie. Did you get Melissa C? Melissa C? I did. Thank you, okay. Melissa C. And um, Amy G. Somebody else. I ha- here's who I have. I have Nessa R. Harlan G. Melissa C. Vasa O. Larry K. Monica T. And Amy G. Anybody else? Danielle O, please. Judy F. Irini. Judy F. and Irini M. Okay, let's stop there. Um, Nessa R., please get us started. Thank you. Um, Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, It is imperative that a man's brain be cleared. Um, in, In my understanding of the big book, this is the first reference of five um, in the doctor's opinion, state, excuse me, stating that um, abstinence must come first. Um, nothing really can happen um, unless we put the food down entirely without loopholes, um, without holding anything back, without you know, looking at uh, saying, well, uh, these are my, my red foods and these are my green foods and these are my yellow foods, so the red foods I will give up and the, and the yellow foods, um, you know, like I'm just going to wait and see. You know, it's important that a man's brain be cleared uh, before he can accept what we have to offer. Um, you know, sometimes people think that, well, you know, this is just food, but if we think of an alcoholic that says, well, I'm going to give up the hard liquor and I'm going to give up the high alcohol wines and beers, but I'm going to hold on to the liqueurs and the, and the low alcohol beers. Um, you know, then the man's brain won't be clear, and that's, and that's very evident. But, um, you know, we, with food, I guess it's not so evident, and we still harbor I, I'm going to speak for myself. I still harbored um, ideas that maybe I could control this food or that food, and I don't really have to give it up. And, you know, one of those foods actually wasn't even a food. It was a drink. It was a coffee. It was coffee that I, I grew up drinking since I was four years old. I drank it for breakfast to go to school because I'm from South America. And I thought, it doesn't do anything for me. I just like the taste. You know, it doesn't give me a buzz. It doesn't give me energy. It doesn't even keep me from sleeping. Um, you know, and at the height of my consumption, I was drinking six very large cups a day. Uh, and then I switched to decaf, and it was the same thing, you know, even though decaf isn't truly uh, 100% caffeine-free. But, um, 
I just said, I don't have to give it up. And I just couldn't stay abstinent. I couldn't stay abstinent. And then one day I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. I'm just going to give it up and see, you know. And if it doesn't work, I can always take it back. And lo and behold, I was able to stay abstinent. And now I'm very, very careful, um, you know. Um, even though I have given up a lot of foods, when I find that something starts to become attractive, that I start to obsess about, okay, am I going to have it for lunch? How can I have it for lunch? Is it, you know, if I have it at this time or at that time, is that going to be okay? Uh, that's when I know that that food's got to go. And just, just this week I had to uh, text my sponsor and say, you know what, like Parmesan cheese and me don't mix. I, I got to let it go. Um, and it's that rigorous honesty that is important because I can work the steps all I want, um, but if I'm not abstinent, uh, it won't work. I can follow the directions in the big book precisely, um, but if I'm not abstinent, it won't work. And the fact of the matter is that unless I'm entirely abstinent, I'm not working the steps. I'm not working the instructions in the big book precisely at all because the food has got to be down. And the doctor's going to tell us that in five different places. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Harlan G., please go ahead. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service. Thank you to Team Thursday for making this possible. I'm very, very glad to be here. Today is my 18th uh, year of abstinence. For the beginning of this today is my 18th uh, abstinence birthday, and I'm just very honored and very grateful to be here that I've, I've been able to live through this and, and, and be happy and, and, and to have given up the food and to have done so happily. The doctor's opinion is the basis on which we are going to build everything. And this idea of abstinence is the foundation of the basement of the foundation. Um, here's a call I get probably 150 to 200 times a year. This is a phone call that I will get. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I heard you on Vision. I saw you at a retreat. I heard you on a podcast. I'm wondering if you could help me. I've been in OA for X amount of years. Um, I'm real sloppy with the food. Well, my first question, obviously, is where are you in the steps? And we need to get you, 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 need, to, you need to put down the food. That's the first thing out of my mouth is, A, you need to put down the food, and B, where are you in the steps? And invariably, invariably, they are lost in the forest of the steps. They don't know where they are. They have no idea what's going on, uh, but they're eating. And I think in, in, in too many situations, we are trying, and I know I did this too, we're trying to grab straws while we're eating, and that is not going to work. Here's something we hear about in OA that it's nourishkeit that it's not about the food. Yeah, it's not about the food until it's about the food. We must put down the food. I must put down the food. I have to put it down. I have to be abstinent. If I'm eating Kit Kat bars, the only thing I can think of is I want more Kit Kat bars. If I'm eating whatever, the only thing I can think about is I want more of them. I am not available for any conversation about anything. I am incoherent. I am not reliable. I will lie when the truth would serve me better. The first part of the paragraph is very important too. It says, though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane, 
that's all very important. Altruism is unselfishness, considering others. And this is what Dr. Silkworth observed in the Oxford Group members, the early members of AA, the early Oxford Group people. He observed this. But what else did he observe? That these people who did this altruistic work successfully were sober. They were sober. And they were not eating Almond Joys. And forget about Almond Joys. They weren't eating too much chicken. They weren't eating too much whatever. It's fine not to eat Almond Joy bars, but if I'm having a condor and a yak for lunch, that's not abstinence. And so I must put down the food, and with that, I will pass. Thank you, Harlan G. And Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Um, you know, though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane, you know, we're going to get to the spiritual, you know, make no mistake. And we'll be working to transform from selfish and ego-filled to altruistic people, you know, other-centered and caring, living a service-purpose life. But yet, first things first, um, get clean, get abstinent separated from our drug. You know, I couldn't even begin to think about being other-centered when I was only hoping that the person sitting next to me wasn't going to take an extra piece of bread because it would give give me more. You know, how altruistic could I possibly be? Um, you know, it's imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he's approached. Um, you know, until my head was clear and my body was rid of all the sugar and the junk and the excess, food I was consuming, um, I could not begin to understand and accept what the steps had to offer. You know, I know for myself, the food lulled me into half consciousness. You know, I was nearly in a trance. I was numbed out. You know, it was as if I was just barely alive at times. And, you know, in truth, that was the effect I was after when I reached for my food. But I could not work the steps in that fashion. You know, the first few months clean. I was amazed how I had all these feelings all the time. You know, they were like foreign to me. It was like, it was like a buffet of feelings at any moment. Um, and it was overwhelming, exciting, and frightening. But that's what it means to actually be alive. And that's the way we have to be in order to work the steps. You know, so when I work with people, um, yeah, we first focus on getting abstinent, defining what that means for them, identifying their alcoholic foods, um, it's essential, and it's, you know, the truth is it's why we usually come to OA. We need help with our food addiction. Um, you know, it's, un- and I want to just say that it's really uncomfortable to put down our drug before we have an unblocked connection with a higher power to take the food's place. And I think it's why some people say, well, I want to, I wanna, you know, uh, work the steps, and then I'll be propelled to feel abstinent. <clears throat> you know, that's not the way it works. And what I ask a new uh, sponsee, a new person who I'm working with is, are you willing to be uncomfortable for a while? You know, we talk about willingness. The beginning, it's all willingness. Are you willing to be really uncomfortable? Because, guys, it's uncomfortable to put down the food. That's the truth. Um, but it's through the discomfort that we can have the transformation. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Vasa O, please go ahead. 
Yes, good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recover, compulsive reader, calling from Florida. And, boy, I, do I remember reading the doctor's opinion, you know, way back when I came in the program and learned the allergy, the physical allergy, the mental obsession. And this part right here, more often than not, it is imperative that the man's brain be cleared before he is approached as he has then better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. And to me, this is to offer in the 12 steps. And again, you know, uh, abstinence came for me first. As a matter of fact, I was maybe three three days of abstinence. I had three days of abstinence before I went to my first OA meeting because I was 12-step. And, you know, somebody told me about abstinence, allergy. So I said, I'm going to put this down, you know. And um, so, you know, she did stress, in order for us to work the steps, we have to put our alcoholic foods down and, uh, and then work the steps. And believe me, I felt very uncomfortable, you know, putting those foods down. I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die. How am I going to? be able to survive without having these foods in in my life that I love so much and I, you know, I lust after. And uh, I remember she said, you know, we, you get, a, get on your knees. You ask God to help you get through the day. And, uh, you know, we do this only one day at a time, one meal at a time. And I also heard a person, yeah, I have put my alcoholic foods down, but I have truckfuls truckfuls of of food like for meals like breakfast lunch and supper you know so uh again thank you god that i i wasn't doing that you know but you know before i came to recovery to oa i i was a grazer i mean i'd have my meals and i would graze between meals and i'd be eating after supper because i couldn't stand to be hungry, you know, around supper time. I remember going to sleep at night time early so I wouldn't have to eat or go to a meeting so I wouldn't have to eat. But whatever I did, it worked. You know, it worked, you know, and I did what I had, whatever I had to do and to continue working the, the 12 steps. But I do agree the mind has to be cleared before I start. This, that has, that's my experience and, you know, other people might have other experience, experiences, but this is what has to work for, what has worked for me to put the alcoholic foods down. Thank you for letting me share, and God bless, and bye. Thank you, Vasa O. Uh, just a gentle reminder that we are commenting on the last paragraph on page XXVI only. And Larry Kay, please go ahead. Hey, Kathy. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. The um, step one is conceding to our innermost self that we are alcoholic. If I'm eating, I have conceded nothing. The conceding is in the action. The conceding is not in the articulation. It's not in the words. I've conceded nothing if I am still picking up my food. I'm either working the steps or I'm still drinking. I cannot be working the steps and drinking. And for me, that's perhaps the most absurd, dangerous level of self-deception that I can engage in, this notion that I can reap the benefits of this God-centered process of transformation without having to put my heroin needle down. It's delusional. 
It's like saying, you know, for me, it's like saying, hey, God, if you're up there, I need some help here. I'm out here in the middle of the ocean in a rowboat. It's dark. It's cold. I'm alone. I'm afraid. There's sharks circling my boat. The water's choppy. I'm tired. I can barely keep my eyes open. What, what's that, God? Row? Row my boat? But that takes work. Did I mention that I'm, that I'm uncomfortable and tired? Row. Tell you what, God, I think I'll take a little nap first and see how I feel in a few hours. I just want to feel better first, God. I know that I'm essentially dictating the terms here, but can you just accept that I want what I want on my terms, God? So in the midst of my powerlessness and discomfort, where am I placing my trust? Am I placing an infinite God or my finite self? Sometimes I had to just accept the inconvenient truth that if I'm unwilling to put my fears down, to pick up the oars, to begin to row to shore, I'm going to become shark bait. And putting my food down is no walk in the park. But most good things in life require uh, that perseverance, commitment, and determination. There's not one recovered person on this line who stopped eating or vomiting without showing some grit, without being willing to go through some uncomfortability. So I had to concede to my innermost self. And I'm grateful that I did, by the grace of God. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry K. Monica T., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in the doctor's opinion, and here we're hearing what he has to say. Though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane, altruistic, helping others. This is the first thing in this paragraph that I wanted to comment on. And we are going to see this theme over and over and over again. I was looking back this morning here and in the the forward to the first edition is where we're first seeing this this thought, this thinking, this action that we have to do of helping others. You know, they put out this book to help us. They see very quickly that in helping others, they stay sober. Very, very important. And it's going to be, and you're going to, we're going to see it over and over and over again before we even get to um, step 12, you know, helping others. Trust God, clean house, and help others. And then the other thing I wanted to say was it is imperative, imperative, required, absolutely necessary that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached. And then he has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. You know, Dr. Silkworth and someone else has said five times he's going to say this to us. The food must be down. It's imperative. It's required. It's necessary. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in the food, my thinking isn't clear. You know, I'm in la-la land. I don't care. And I know I can't think clearly. So I've got to identify my binge foods and put them down, you know. And the thing is, I put them down hundreds of times. I can do it. You know, every time I started a new diet, I put down foods. So it can be done. And, of course, we always turn to God, you know. First things with everything. God help me. I'm a crazy woman. And he does. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Amy G., please go ahead. 
Good morning, Kathy. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Uh, can you hear me okay? I can. Great. Thank you for your service. Thanks to everyone on the line. I'm going to piggyback on everybody else. You know, imperative that a man's brain be defogged before he is approached. As others have said, you know, I'm either eating or not eating. You know, I can't have two gods, you know, one being food and then try to work this program, which is a spiritual program, a remedy. They're talking about it here, a spiritual as altruistic plane. And what does this reinforce? What this reinforces is that if I have the allergy that people, that the prior paragraphs have been talking about, and I have a phenomenon of craving when I then put these substances, these alcoholic substances into my body, that I am out of control. I have no control, that I have three problems, me, myself, and I, that I cannot stop eating. When I put those binge foods into my body, I am powerless. So this is the essence, as everyone else has said, of step one. It's the fact that I am absolutely powerless, that coupled with the mental obsession plus the phenomenon of craving, which is my allergy, when I have those binge foods in my system, then I am absolutely 100% powerless. It says further along in the big book, we are like people who have lost their legs. We never grow new ones. My legs are gone, people. I cannot have those substances anywhere near me in my body or even, I mean, I just can't have them or I cannot stop. So that means that of myself, I can't fix myself, which means step one, I am powerless and my life is unmanageable. It is imperative that I understand that in order to move forward and work this program. As others have said, I can't work my way through the steps to become abstinent. It doesn't work that way. I have to be willing to figure out what my food plan is, put boundaries around it, know what my alcoholic foods are, put those foods down, and then get on with the business of working this program, the spiritual aspect of this program, because I need a power greater than myself to be restored to sanity, to not continue to be putting those alcoholic foods into my system. It is absolutely imperative, and I can't do it with my brain where it's at if I've got food in it because I'm only thinking about food if food is what I am ingesting, my alcoholic food. And it's hard enough as it is even when I put the food down in the beginning to go through that discomfort, to be willing. But the saying is, when the pain of where you are gets bad enough, you'll move. And that was certainly the case for me. But it was imperative to understand entire 100% absence was the prerequisite of beginning to work this program, like my life depends upon it, which it does, because I am powerless. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And Judy F., please go ahead. Hi, Kathy. This is Judy F. Can I be heard? Yes, you can, Judy. Okay. Great. Let me just put my timer on here. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Judy F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Really grateful to be here this week. Um, and I can just uh, talk about this to identify in my experience. Um, I was in and out of away for four years trying to do the moderate meals and working the steps. And um, obviously that I kept... Uh, going into the food and, and my crazy behavior of bulimia. And it wasn't until I was desperate enough and went into a hospital and, and the first thing they did 
let's put boundaries around my food and get rid of my allergic foods. And we got right into the big book and right into the doctor's opinion so I could understand that I have this disease and this disease is twofold and I had to address first, um, and you know, that imperative, important, crucial fact that I had to have all my allergic foods down before I could move forward. And that this paragraph also, you know, our solution. So yay, we have a solution finally. I was I was going to doctors and therapists and medication and diets and there were so many things I tried and, and nothing was a solution. I, I kept getting back into the food uh, and I could not stop. And, you know, that powerlessness. And But the solution is spiritual and altruistic. I also tried church. Well, it's not religious, it's spiritual and altruistic. I had to bring it to others. I was so competitive when I was on a diet. It was anyone that I went on a diet with, I would be so competitive, thinking that if I don't get it, if they get it more than I do, there's not enough for me. Uh, so I'm just so grateful that I was given this book, I was given a clear food plan, and then I was given the tools to help me while I was working the steps to stay abstinent. I needed to make the calls during the day. I needed to have a sponsor. I needed to write down my food and commit to it. Um, and I still, I just celebrated my 25th abstinent Christmas. Thank you, God, because of this program and because of that spiritual condition that these steps bring us to and that I can continue with working steps 10, 11, and 12. But I still have to be really clear with my food. And it has my, all my allergic foods have to be down and I can relate in. Sometimes there's sexy foods and I have to be honest about it and surrender it. But it's a spiritual thing to surrender because God is the most important, the spiritual. But if I am not cleared, I can't access God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy F. Idini M., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. And there's so much here. We cannot serve two gods, so we have to serve either or, either the small G or the bigger G. And whether we need professional help or not, if we choose to be saved, then we need to choose our creator. And if and when we do choose to be helped, to be healed, and to be saved, it is vital, it is important, and it's crucial that we must separate from the food that is killing us. We must also be detached from our behaviors that keep us stuck. So we first reach out for help. We get a sponsor and create a support group so we can put the food down and start working the steps so we can be saved and start to heal so we can be recovered. But in order to get recovered, we need to get connected. Connected is the key. Without a connection, we are disconnected and isolated, and that is where we suffocate. 
That is where there is no light but just darkness that blocks us from having clarity to see the truth. And at the same time, we are inhaling polluted, poisoning thoughts that lead us to a slow death. So in order to get unstuck, we must first get connected and attached to the truth so we can cultivate honesty. Honesty about what? That we are powerless and that we need a power greater than ourselves. We can't have recovery without first getting connected and becoming abstinent. I needed to empty my brain from my delusions and all of my stories that I thought were true. I needed to create a pattern, a new pattern of thinking, but I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it when I was in isolation, when I was alone in my darkness, drowning in my thoughts. I was too much of a prisoner of my thoughts. So I needed you to help me get connected. I needed God to help me be connected. And I needed the steps to help me stay connected. So once I get connected, the knowledge in my head would be pushed into my heart with prayer, responsibility, accountability. And with that, we push it down to our feet and walk the truth. We become recovered. We walk with God. We are aligned with his principles, and we become what he would have us be. We no longer walk crooked. We're walking straight with a purpose in life in helping and making a difference for others and at the same time living a happy, joyous, and free life. So it's about connection, connection, connection. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Edini M. Who else would like to share on these, this paragraph? Edi, Libby E. Lady Okay, unfortunately, I only heard Libby E. Because everyone... Lady B. Carlita. I have Leia B, Libby E, Barbara B. Barbara S. E, Leia S. Raj. Reggie O. Raj. I didn't get L, I think it was. Um, R. Reggie O. R. Uh, Reggie Reggie O. Leanne. Ann K. And Ann K. Okay, let's do those because I'm not sure if we'll have time for any more. So we have Leah B, Libby E, Barbara B, Leah S, Roz R, Reggie O, Diane, I didn't get your last initial, and Ann K. Okay, thank you all. Leah B, please go ahead. Morning, it's Leah D. D, but you couldn't have heard that. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, sisters and brothers, and all those that are spiritual playing here today. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. So we work out our solution on a spiritual as well as altruistic plane. We favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who is still jittery and befogged. Um, I need to share that I'm part of this fellowship for 42 years, and I never heard... Never, N-E-V-E-R. I never heard until a year ago that I had an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. 
somehow Overeaters Anonymous kind of never spoke about these parts in the meetings, and I never heard it. And because I didn't hear it, I didn't know. And I was a white-knuckle gray shooter for years and years, and today I'm a serene, growing toward the serene, recovered woman in these rooms sharing my strength, hope, and experience. And I thought about being hospitalized many times. I begged for hospitalization. If I didn't have a husband and child, I would have put myself away. I wanted to be so far away from this. I couldn't understand why when I came in 42 years ago, I could do it for a time and then I could never get it back. I was the ultimate failure. I don't understand why the world doesn't understand what we have. We've got the secret. The allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. My brain has to be cleared before I can work this. That doesn't mean six months. That doesn't mean 90 days. That doesn't mean you wait to start the steps. It means when the crumbs get off my chin, I'm ready to roll. Get a, get a day, get a meal, put it down, get the crumbs off the chin, and get ready to roll. And I believe that alcoholic food for me doesn't have to be the big six. It could be the basic stuff on the plan. And I believe, and I've learned today, and I wish I knew this forever, and God is okay, I forgive, ready to roll today. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for being here. And recovery is just one bite away. Thank you. Thank you, Leah D. Libby E., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. Good morning. I'm Libby E., Recovered Compulsive Eater in New York. You know, this paragraph makes it very clear to me, like it was already so beautifully shared, um, that entire abstinence must come first. It is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he has then a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. There is no way that I could work these steps if the food isn't down, if I'm still busy deciding am I abstinent or not. Step zero for me was that I have to put the food down 100%, entire abstinence. Only then could I work these steps which changed me. It changed the way I think, it changed the way I feel, and it changed the way I behave. And it gave me a new way to live with freedom and peace of mind, which I never thought possible. But I first had to accept who I was that no matter how badly I wanted to stop, I couldn't. And no matter if I went to bed feeling sick from eating all day nonstop, and no matter if I promised myself that was the last time I'll be doing that, and the shame of not fitting into clothing, and it didn't matter if I was relapsing over and over and over again, and I couldn't take it one more day, this disease didn't allow me to show up to life, and I was miserable and depressed but nothing could have convinced me to stop. Only once I accepted to the core of my being that I have this disease and it will never go away, that I'm not like a normal person when it comes to food, only then was I willing to finally put the food down and work these steps, but nothing could have changed for me if the food wasn't down. I know that I can have emotional Mm -hmm. sobriety if there isn't any food sobriety. You know, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, and I know it wants me dead. But, you know, the good news is that today I could choose life. How? By putting down the food and working these steps. Thanks for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Libby E. Barbara B., please go ahead. Thank you. 
This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Massachusetts. And as I look at the saying that hospitalization is favored for the alcoholic, I think to myself, you know, many of us compulsive readers do go to treatment. We are hospitalized to begin the clearing of the brain. But for the most part, it's done in the rooms. And so for me, in terms of sharing the allergy, the allergy, the addiction, I have to share, for me, the experience that I am, in addition to the binge foods, I am allergic to, addicted to, allergic to the act itself of overeating. That in itself triggers the phenomenon of craving. And so that's what I share in my own experience, and I share that in the rooms and on the phone. It's also helpful to me, um, as far as clearing the brain, to parallel the allergy, the physical allergy that I have to shellfish. And I've suffered with that physical allergy when I've mistakenly consumed any of it, and I've ended up at the hospital with Benadryl shots. I've ended up incapacitated for weeks sometimes with rashes and breathing and all the rest. And friends have said to me as we're out at a meal and they have lobster or scallops or whatever, why don't you just have some of this and then pay the price for it? Then go get the shots and deal with, but at least you have the pleasure. And so that is like crazy in the light of the price I pay for having some lobster. So I parallel that with that first bite of a particular food or the first bite of overeating, which triggers the allergy, the obsession, the phenomenon. And so that's my own experience, and it really clarifies the essential aspect of total and complete abstinence so that I can, as it says, work out the solution. Otherwise, you know, can you talk to a drunk? Can I talk to a person binging? Can I hear anything if I'm in that position myself? No. So um, it's very powerful and very clear and right at the root. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Leah S., please go ahead. Hello? Yes. Go ahead, um, Leah. Oh, I didn't know if you called me. Okay. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overreader from New York. Um, a very grateful one. This paragraph, oh, my goodness, and these, the, all these shares, so beautiful. Okay. So um, our solution is the spiritual as well as the altruistic. That That means that, uh, you know, talk about God. You know, I walk through the forest or I just look at the ocean and the waves. I know what God is, but but they're telling me, you know, this is going to be internalized. This is going to be about your own spirit, uh, spiritual higher power. And then they're telling you, we favor hospitalization. Hospitalization is the end means. It's the most desperate means. This is what you're going to have to do. No matter what, you're going to have to become abstinent completely because you are still jittery or befogged. What does jittery or befogged mean? can't see clearly. You can't. Um, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared. 
This is so unbelievably true because every single day of my abstinence, I find there is something that I'm growing with. There is something that is becoming more understandable to me in my life in dealing, whether I'm dealing with a laundromat, whether I'm dealing with a checkout counter at the grocery, or I'm just dealing with a person who just banged the elevator door shut in my face. Whatever it is, it is um, a spiritual program. And in order to stay abstinent, we do have the tools. We do. And, 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 and we should use them. It, the fellowship and, and listening to, don't wait for someone to tell you what to do. Just go and do it because it eventually will bring you such peace of mind that you have never, ever experienced before. And, and it's, it's just so amazing. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. Raj R. Please go ahead. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, you can, Raj. Okay, wait, let me set my timer. Um, okay. Um, thank you for letting me share and thank you for your service. Uh this this paragraph here you know i am like i am still amazed that the years that i've been in in 08 i was never i was never uh, told about this allergy and the obsession of the mind and i never understood until you know it's like there's always been foods that i i would i would buy like i'd be abstinent for long periods of time and i'd i'd buy a soup or i'd, I'd eat out or something and instantly instantly I would, I would, the craving would start, and I, I didn't understand it. And I'm so grateful. I am abstinent. I'm on a food plan. I am working with somebody. And um, the the thing that I wanted to say is, uh, I've I've been a hardcore person to get through to. And I have to say, I have to thank the the recovered sponsors and recovered people that I have met on this and these meetings, who, when they've listened to my bullshit and have confronted me and um, didn't coddle me with, with kind words, but just told me what they saw me doing. Um, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, but you know what? Uh, the pain of where I have been is far worse than the pain that I'm experiencing with giving up my foods. And I battled for quite a while um, about giving up, uh, letting go of the foods that were my alcoholic foods. But Every time that I gave up one, there were still others left. They are all out of my body now, and it is so amazing that my day is just so easy food-wise. Um, what's hard now is what I hear Harlan talk about all the time, you know, is the uh, human emotions that, that flare up constantly. And the hardest thing now for me is to pick up a phone every time an emotion comes up that, because it still goes on. An emotion comes up, I'm hungry. Um, but I pick up the phone, um, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I have to do, I pick up the phone and it helps to text, but it doesn't help as much as a phone call. And someone said to me, you don't have to pick up a phone and do all the niceties and, you know, how are you? What are you doing? You know, you can talk about what's real. Like I'm feeling really stuck. I'm feeling really angry. I'm hungry. I'm, um, upset. You know, and it's amazing. It's like I share a little bit and then I get to hear someone share how they work the big book. 
um, back at me. And I get so much that that feeling of wanting to eat instantly goes away. And I'm in awe. And I make a lot of calls every day. And now I'm getting calls from people. And it's so, it's just, I'm just in awe. I have so much energy. I cannot believe it. I don't sleep but maybe six hours now. And I'm at the gym and I'm working out. And I feel amazing. I am so grateful for you guys. And so I just want to say thank you. And thank you for your service. And um, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Roz R. Reggie O, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. This is Reggie O, recovered in uh, the Los Angeles area. <clears throat> and I, I'm, I'm amazed at how much is in each in each paragraph in this book. And this one, um, you know, the it's imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached. So there's there was hospitalization, and as someone said earlier, we don't often get that. We have we get we get to be abstinent for a few days before we start or we need to be absent a few days before we start the work of the steps so that so that we can really get the benefit of the steps. And I was thinking, I, I've been someone in my life who, you know, I hear about this good book and I pick it up and it sounds like a great story and I read a few pages and I get really, um, and then I want to read the last chapter. And uh, I, I've actually done that a lot and don't read the whole middle. So I get to the end and I see what the ending is, but I have not had any kind of an experience and, and the book doesn't live on with me. And, you know, and so it has been with this, this, you know, since I've come to um, Vision for You after many, many years in and out of these rooms, uh, I, to get that the first, the first thing, it's like, you know, that the first half of the first step or even before the first step is that I have to put down my alcoholic foods and my alcoholic eating behaviors. My mind has to be clear before I can actually be available to 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 take in the spiritual solution that the rest of the program is about, step work is about. And you know, I was thinking about, you know, when I if I if my allergy, you know, that that abnormal reaction to certain foods is up, I I'm like uh, I'm kind of I'm you know, I'm I'm kind of like a crazy person because I'm not thinking about what's in front of me. My mind is always going to what, you know, where's the next food, where's the next bite, you know, I've and and then or compulsive eating, you know, I remember I heard this this definition once of compulsive eating, this irresistible urge to perform an irrational act. So if I have the, these these irresistible urges and this allergy going on in me, there there is no way that I can be present or available to go through these steps. So that the hearing and knowing that the first thing I have to do before I actually can recover is put down the food. And when I first came into Vision for You, I um, I thought, okay, so okay, first step, I'm powerless over the food. How? What if I can't stay abstinent? You know, my sponsor said, you know, call me in a, call me in this many days, and you know, if you you know, if you're abstinent, we'll start working then. If you still want to, and uh, and I and I was I was kind of like, well, can I you know, can I really do this? But I so wanted you know, I so wanted this. I because I was in this place of feeling a little bit uh, panic. But then I heard all of the hope of everybody on the lines. And, you know, I, I had grace. Grace was given to me because I wanted this so very badly. And uh, and I, I guess I had already known that I was in, in big trouble this time. It was pretty it was pretty clear to me. So I think sometimes, you know, when we make that decision, we want it badly enough, we're willing, we identify the alcoholic foods and behaviors. We, we, there actually is a grace period sometimes. And and I had that. I don't know if it happens all the time, and, you know. And then and then, 
once I get my food down, then the real solution, you know, the real solution to my malady, the spiritual solution, the relieving of the obsession, gets done through the working of the rest of the steps. And, um, you know, and there are answers in those steps for every area of my life that I take it in. So uh, that's what I wanted to share today. Thank you, Reggie O. Um, Unfortunately, we have to close this first hour of the meeting now, so I'm hoping Diane and Ann Kay will be able to share during the second unrecorded hour. Um, Thank you, everyone, who has shared. uh, And do join us for a second unrecorded hour immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Sidini M., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, with great honor and pleasure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.